You're listening to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast presented by Ohio Right to Life. I'm Allie Frazier, the Director of Communications at Ohio Right to Life and your host. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome today, everyone. Uh, This is Stephanie Ronadick-Kreider. I'm the Vice President and Executive Director of Ohio Right to Life. And today's podcast is going to be about the current pandemic of COVID-19 and pregnancy, what that means for pregnant women and their babies. So right now, uh, we are going to have the opportunity to speak with some experts about pregnancy during these strange times that we're living in. Um, Everyone always turns to those what to expect books during pregnancy, but there is no what to expect during a pandemic. And there's many reasons that this current situation might lead to increased anxiety for pregnant women across the country and across the world. Many women out there who are expecting right now are rightfully wondering how this pandemic might affect their health, their prenatal care, and their experience um, with labor and delivery. And certainly they want to know if their unborn baby is at any additional risk in this um, time of of a healthcare crisis, essentially. So we wanted to talk to a clinical scientist who's been researching this subject, and then we'll get into some more practical advice about what to do if you or someone you love is expecting and you're experiencing concerns or anxiety about what might come next. First today, we have Dr. Tara Sander-Lee. Dr. Sander-Lee is a PhD and a senior fellow and director of life sciences at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is an organization dedicated to policies and practices that protect the sanctity of human life. As an aside at Ohio Rights Life, we are huge fans of Charlotte Lozier Institute and the research that they put out. Um, We highly encourage you to check out their website and some of the research that they've got out there um, for everyone to read. Dr. Sander Lee is a scientist with 20 years of experience in academic and clinical medicine with an emphasis on the cause of pediatric disease. She obtained her PhD in biochemistry from the Medical College of Wisconsin and fellowship training at Harvard Medical School and Boston Children's Hospital. Dr. Sander Lee was an appointed faculty member at the Medical College of Wisconsin for over 15 years, where she directed a research lab investigating congenital heart disease in children and served as Scientific Director of Molecular Diagnostics at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. Recently, the Charlotte Lozier Institute published a report by Dr. Sander Lee called Eight Reasons for Hope, Coronavirus, COVID-19, and Pregnancy. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about her findings in that report today. So welcome, Dr. Sander Lee. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. So I know that I essentially just read quite a bit of your resume, which is very impressive. But to break it down just a little bit more, could you tell us a little bit about Charlotte Lozier Institute and also your experiences in research and medicine that inform your studies and opinions on this particular issue? Absolutely. Um, So the Charlotte Lozier Institute is the research and education arm of the Susan B. Anthony List. And for your listeners that aren't aware, um, the Susan B. Anthony List is a pro-life organization national leaders and advocating for laws that save lives. So as part of this mission, the role of Charlotte Lozier is to serve as the data-driven think tank. So we're dedicated to providing the best science and statistics that life and defend the preborn. We have over 60 qualified scholars that are experts in many areas, such as law, statistics, science, medicine, to name a few. And we all come together and do research in order to provide the most up-to-date academic resources, like you mentioned, um, the eight reasons for hope uh, for a wide range of life is- other life issues as well. And our resources can be found on our website at lozierinstitute.org. 
Um, the majority of my academic training um, and experience has really focused on children um, with a special emphasis on perinatal and early postnatal periods. So as you mentioned, for many years, I investigated why some babies develop disease such as cancer or heart defects. And I directed a lab that performed DNA testing on children in order to better understand the cause of their disease. And I've also done a lot of extensive policy research on life-saving treatments available to moms or babies if diagnosed with a birth defect during pregnancy, such as spina bifida. So all in all, I'm dedicated to promoting the best and most ethical advancements in healthcare and protecting all human life. And so I really understand the devastating impact that disease can have on a family, especially during pregnancy. But I've also witnessed incredible advancements in science and medicine that offer real hope to pregnant women, their babies, and their families. And, and yet, unfortunately, some women still feel pressured to abort their baby if they're facing an unplanned pregnancy or they're worried at this very uncertain time. Yeah, I think... Um... That's really impressive. I don't, do you have any experience with um, perinatal hospice by chance? So I personally don't have any experience with perinatal hospice, but um, we, I, I wrote a paper with two colleagues, um, one of whom actually did have experience with perinatal hospice. And so um, the name of our paper is The Perinatal Revolution. You can find it in Issues in Law and Medicine. And the first author is uh, Colleen Malloy, and I'm the last author. And we actually discussed some of the really important issues with perinatal hospice for women who have, um, are faced a, facing a, a diagnosis such as um, you know, like a trisomy disorder, um, you know, that potentially could be fatal for the baby and very heart-wrenching decisions. Oops, I think I lost some of your audio there. I lost you after heart-wrenching decisions. Oh, that yeah, that was all I said. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I just said heart-wrenching I, decisions that have to be made. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> But I, I, regarding like the baby, because the baby can um, absolutely be um, delivered and can be taken care of in perinatal hospice. And they can just essentially say goodbye. Um, very difficult, but um, they really do get the care and the love that they need at time. Yeah. And the only reason I asked about that is, um, you know, I don't think that We'll, we'll certainly get into your research more here. I don't think that, um, you know, COVID-19 has led to any cases that necessarily warrant perinatal hospice, but there is just such a compassionate approach among pro-life medical professionals for some really hard cases and some really serious illnesses that newborns and new mothers might face. So I just think it's worth bringing that up in a um, otherwise very, you know, sort of clinical conversation. Absolutely. So um, certainly right now, what we are facing is, it feels, and it really is completely unprecedented, um, facing a pandemic in our lifetime, um, in the day and age that we live. So as a researcher, I'm sure there's some evidence that shows what needs to be done to best care for pregnant women and their babies, even if the particulars of our situation are unprecedented. Is there research or maybe anecdotal evidence that you can maybe point us to for sort of best practices or indications of how um, moms and babies can best be cared for in this time? Yeah, so I'm sure everybody's heard in the news that there's so many changes that are happening right now in healthcare to successfully combat COVID-19 and take care of those who are sick. Um, and taking care of pregnant women and their babies uh, remains high priority and an essential healthcare service. 
Um, so women are going to continue to have babies. And in all my research, I am seeing countless examples of pregnant women receiving the best care that these hospitals can give uh, for them and their babies in the midst of this pandemic. So some women are choosing to stay out of hospitals to reduce their risk of infection and have their baby at home with midwives. But there have been guidelines written in public how hospitals should offer the best care for women before, during, and after pregnancy, even if they have COVID-19 at any of these stages, including treatment that they should receive depending on the severity of their disease, you know, whether it may be mild or even severe. So hospitals are working very hard to prevent infection of pregnant women, their babies, and, them, um, and especially themselves and the hospital staff. Some of the early studies have actually found that pregnant women can be asymptomatic when entering the hospital, but then develop COVID-19 after giving birth. So some women might notice that hospitals are performing additional testing for the virus or medications and even prohibiting visitors, such as even the first from attending deliveries. Um, as far as like the guidelines that have care for these women specifically, it would, it would probably take too long to, um, to discuss all of those, but I would, we always encourage women to talk to their, if they have any questions, to talk to their physicians, the specific guidelines at that, that the, you know, the hospital where they plan to deliver um, so that they can get all that information and be prepared and um, have a plan. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's always some anxiety in preparing for birth anyway. Um, and so it's good to know that hospitals really have planned not just for, you know, their COVID-19 patients, but how they're going to continue to serve their labor and delivery patients and newborn care as well. That's really good to hear. So I think the real worry um, for most expecting moms is this, are newborn babies at elevated risk for contracting uh, the coronavirus? And have we seen any increase in mortality rates among babies because of the disease? And what about expecting moms? Yeah, these are excellent questions, and you're right. This is um, this is really what everybody's talking about. If if um, they're they know they are pregnant, or if they know somebody that's pregnant, and there is a lot we do not yet know about the coronavirus and pregnancy. Um, but current published studies and reports are really helping to advise pregnant women and their families about the risks. Um, the fact and the fact remains that no long-term studies have been done, and information is changing rapidly, if not daily. So with so much uncertainty, we understand that this can be a very unsettling time. And so we'll, um, I'm going to try here to give a quick review of the data as it stands today. Um, the good news is that pregnant women do not appear to be at a higher risk of COVID-19 compared to non-pregnant adults. Um, but if they do develop COVID-19 and are pregnant, all reports and evidence and even statements made by the CDC are pointing to the fact that mother-to-child transmission of the virus during pregnancy is very unlikely. Um, so if you're pregnant, and that basically, yeah, so if you're pregnant and infected, it's very unlikely that you will pass that on to your baby. Um, once the baby is born, I mean, similar to adults, newborns are susceptible to person-to-person -person spread. Um, so that's always a risk then, but then of course, like we mentioned earlier, hospitals are taking precautions to really eliminate that risk so that there, there is no transmission after birth. Um, so studies, there have been many studies that have been published as, as women are giving birth. Some of the earliest published studies out of China show that there's no evidence of this transmission, which is sometimes referred to as vertical transmission between mom and baby of the virus. 
Um, more recently, we've seen um, in the United States, uh, especially reports coming out of New York City, that again, there's been no evidence of viral transmission from mom to baby during pregnancy. And in fact, uh, they're finding that they can't detect the virus in the amniotic fluid, cord blood, or even the breast milk, and the babies are testing negative. So this is all really good news um, so far. Um, and you know, the other really important thing to know, as you mentioned earlier, that there's a question of, you know, well, are these babies gonna be okay once they're born? Well, many reports are showing that women infected with coronavirus during pregnancy are delivering live babies. There's been many reports that have shown this. Um, there have been, probably that most recent report out of New York City that I showed, found that 18 babies that were delivered, of 18 babies that were delivered, including three initially that were admitted to the NICU, all were living, they tested negative for COVID-19 and have since been discharged home. So negative or uh, infant death caused by COVID-19 appears to be incredibly rare. Um, there have been a couple of cases um, and there have been some reported problems with pregnancy or delivery such as preterm birth born to babies, um, of, of babies that were born to mothers who tested positive for COVID-19. And um, like there was an example of a baby that died in Illinois that, um, that had that had developed, um, that had died, but then we had other health issues as well. Um, but according to the CDC, as of April 10th, I just checked, uh, there have been no direct COVID-19 deaths or deaths with pneumonia in COVID-19 under one year of age in the U.S. So again, infant death wow. just appears to be really, really rare. And for those reports that you're hearing in the news, um, they just, they, they can't a direct connection to COVID-19 related. Um, you asked earlier about, you know, what does this mean for the risk to expecting moms? And I'm sure many pregnant women are. Um, what we're seeing is that pregnant women develop COVID-19 may or may not experience any patients. Um, they're in a detailed analysis of 38 pregnant women with COVID-19. Um, there were no deaths, so, so that's really good news. Um, the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine reported that out of 18 women studied, only one required intubation. Um, the, a New York hospital and subsequent study in New York City recently published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology that some women are not showing actually any symptoms or complications of COVID-19 until birth. But what's really important about their study is that when they examine these women, the characteristics of disease are really similar to those described for non-pregnant adults with COVID-19. So about 80% are um, experiencing mild disease, about 15% severe disease, and 5% are having critical disease. Um, but it's, it's no different than those that, that are not pregnant. And you might have heard in the, in the news that two maternal deaths associated with COVID-19 were described in Mexico, but these women did have some underlying health issues. And that just seems to be something um, that we see recurring in, the, um, in these reports that um, people with underlying conditions really do have to take extra precautions. And um, there is a concern then for more severe disease. Well, that's great news. So generally, if um, you know a woman is expecting and she's otherwise in good health and has the good fortune of not having any sort of you know chronic condition or underlying disease, she is at no greater risk. It sounds like you're saying than the average American adult for um, an instance of COVID. Is that a good summary? That's a very good summary. That's absolutely correct. 
That's great news. And um, it sounds like similarly for newborns that, you know, there's no transmission directly from their mother, even if they did have it and were asymptomatic. And so their, their prognosis also tends to be very good. Yep, that's exactly right. That's great. I think that that, um, I mean, I hope that that puts a lot of women at ease if they're listening and if they have loved ones who are pregnant as well. Um, you know, you may have heard this as well, but uh, taking that into consideration, we've already heard from some pregnancy centers here in Ohio that they have had clients come in um, who are, you know, of course, moms who have just found out that they're expecting or they've hit a point in their pregnancy where they otherwise um, are considering you know, abortion maybe because of whatever circumstances they're in. Um, so we've heard that they've had these clients coming in who, again, might be facing other obstacles in life, but the pandemic certainly complicates their situation or is causing them increased concern for their own health or for their baby's health. And they are then telling these pregnancy center um, folks that, you know, abortion feels like maybe the best option in light of this current crisis. So we're going to talk more to, you know, some pregnancy center people after this, but um, is there any message you would want to share with those women if they might be listening to this or are there steps maybe that they could take beyond just, you know, hand washing to kind of mitigate their own risk? Um, yeah, I think, you know, as far as just um, very proactive things that they can do to minimize their own risk, you know, I, I would suggest that they go on to, you know, just follow what their physicians say, but also the CDC has issued uh, recommendations, you know, that they really are no different than what they're advising other healthy adults to do, you know, avoid people who are sick, clean your hands, clean and disinfect frequently touch surfaces daily. And um, they've also even provided guidelines for breastfeeding if you're sick and have a COVID-19. But, you know, kind of the deeper question that you're asking, like for these women that are concerned and worried and are even contemplating abortion, um, my heart does go out to them. And I don't want to minimize the difficulties and concerns that they're facing during this pandemic because they are real. Um, but my, my message is really a message of hope that, that life is a gift and to encourage them to continue their pregnancy and to keep the baby. And if they're worried about getting infected, um, if they've done everything they can do, um, or if they, are, if they did get infected and are concerned that their baby will get it, um, as I mentioned earlier, the good news is that it is very unlikely that they will pass the virus on to their baby and very, and very likely that, that they and their baby will be healthy. And if this is an unplanned pregnancy and they don't want to keep the baby, I, I consider adoption, that there are so many families that, that will love and care for the child. Um, and while it would be a very mm -hmm. selfless act on their part, um, it really would be a decision that would reap long-term rewards, um, unlike the act of abortion, which would only end uh, in death and destruction of an innocent life. Yeah. And not to mention the serious risks of having an abortion. Um, you know, we know there are lots of studies that have been reported that there is real, real risks of severe bleeding or infection, especially if you're going to be um, contemplating a chemical abortion. And along those lines, if, if, if any, if any woman was scared and took the first dose of an abortion pill, but are now regretting that decision, there is hope and actually abortion pill reversal is possible. Seek help through their local pregnancy care center. And I'm so glad you're gonna have somebody that's gonna be on to talk about that and, um, and let them help you. They will listen and maybe be able to help you with material needs. And, and of course, seek the advice of their physician with every questions and to not, to not panic, but um, to really just seek the information that they need. Yeah, absolutely. 
I appreciate you bringing up also the abortion pill um, hotline, or I'm sorry, abortion pill reversal hotline. Um, we can provide a link to that as well, um, you know, along with this podcast, but certainly those folks are always available to help if someone has found themselves in that position. It is not too late, uh, like Dr. Sander Lee said, and, and there's help for you available. Well, doctor, thank you so much for um, being here today and thanks for the work that you do with Charlotte Lozier Institute. I would encourage our listeners, if you're not familiar with the work of Charlotte Lozier, there is really no better source nationally for pro-life research and academic resources in this area. So I encourage you all to check them out at uh, lozierinstitute.org. That is a mouthful, but it's Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R, institute.org. And again, we can provide links for those things along with our podcast notes. Um, they have resources on every pro-life topic and it's just incredibly helpful to the pro-life cause. Um, for all news on other things pro-life, please be sure to visit our website, ohiolife.org and sign up for our emails. Find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'll be back here in just a moment with our next guest, but thank you again so much for joining us today, Dr. Sander Lee. We really appreciate your time and also the incredible work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Um, pleasure to be here, and um, thank you for all the work that you're doing um, to help these these precious little ones. We really we can't thank you enough. Thanks. It's really kind. Take care. Thanks. You too. Well, that was a great interview that we had with Dr. Tara Sander Lee of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. I hope it provided some peace of mind for any listeners out there with anxiety about a current pregnancy that they or a loved one might be experiencing. So now that we've gotten sort of the evidence and research-based perspective on the facts of COVID-19 and pregnancy, I wanted to turn to a different perspective. For this, I'm going to be talking to Madeline Pisavanto, the Director of Women's Care Center here in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome, Madeline. Hi, thank you. So it was great to hear um, from Dr. Sandra Lee that, in effect, pregnant women are at no greater risk than the general adult population for COVID-19. So like anybody else, if they've got, if a woman's got, um, you know, a certain chronic or underlying condition, um, she is at increased risk, but pregnancy alone does not seem to put women at any increased risk for um, contracting the disease. So certainly that doesn't mean that there aren't still important precautions to take, but generally in pregnancy, it always feels like there is greater caution to be taken because of greater risk for just about everything to pregnant women from what you eat to um, you know, what environment you're in, all of those things. So it was reassuring to hear that although this is a pandemic, obviously, and the situation is serious everywhere, this might not have a huge impact to pregnant women or their unborn babies directly. So with that, um, I'm hoping that Madeline can tell us a little bit about the work that she does at Women's Care Center. So Madeline, can you give us some background first on Women's Care Center and what the organization is and what you all do? Yes, yes, of course. Um, and Stephanie, I just I want to say first, thank you for having me on. Um, and thank you for the great work that you are doing uh, to serve and inform our community. Thank uh, you. I your, appreciate that. Yeah, it, it's it's very important. Um, you know, for your listeners who may be unfamiliar with the Women's Care Center, uh, we are a group of pregnancy resource centers serving moms and babies of Central Ohio uh, since 2008. Uh, so although, you know, we came to Columbus in 2008, but your listeners you know, may be surprised to hear that we um, were started in 1984 in South Bend, Indiana. 
Uh, Janet Smith, uh, sometimes a well-known name, uh, really brilliant woman, uh, now a prominent Catholic theologian at Sacred Heart Major Seminary, uh, was a young professor at University of Notre Dame. And Janet surveyed the landscape at that time and realized that there were no options uh, for women going through unplanned pregnancy, uh, you know, brave young women who just needed some help. Uh, so Janet did something really revolutionary for that time, uh, really strategic, and she put the very first women's care center right next to the abortion clinic. Uh, and that is something that we hold on to to this day, and I'll get into a little bit about our Columbus centers, um, but we want to get as close as possible, uh, giving women that loving choice. Today, Women's Care Center uh, has grown to become the largest, most life-saving group of pregnancy resource centers in the nation. Uh, we have 32 centers serving over 26,000 women each year. Uh, but just to turn that locally to Columbus, in 2008, uh, the community felt that there was really a runaway abortion problem. Um, so we were invited to, to tackle that. Um, our first location opened on Broad Street near downtown. And it's just blocks away from a, a place called Founders Abortion Clinic. Um, and then our mm -hmm. second location opened just a few months later, and that is on East Main Street. And it, I, I, I always say it sits courageously next to the largest Planned Parenthood. Um, amen. Yeah, that's a, awesome. Amen. Um, and then two, two really important statistics. The first is, you know, since 2008, because of the great culture of life, um, you know, because of people like you, because of the Women's Care Center, um, abortion rates have declined 44% here locally. Um, and last year alone, we served over 3,282 women. Wow. Um, I, yeah, I have been with Women's Care Center uh, for just about eight months. Um, I left a career in medical sales uh, to pursue this passion. Um, but just to sum it all up, our mission um, is simply to empower every woman to see beyond her immediate circumstances and to make choices based on an abiding hope that she is profoundly valuable, that she is not alone, and that she possesses the unique and intrinsic ability to love and parent her child well. That is so beautiful, Madeline. Thanks yeah. for ending with that, that statement especially. That's, I just love that. Um, I read a statistic. I know there's a lot of statistics that we're throwing around here, but um, I felt like this one really put it in perspective, the work that you all do. Um, I read it about a year ago, maybe at the banquet that you guys held, but um, one in nine babies born in Franklin County, which encompasses all of the city of Columbus, the largest city in Ohio, start at Women's Care Center. One in nine. That is a serious reach. Yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's really incredible. So um, yeah, last year, and just to, to, to uh, interject, uh, last year, 2,082 babies uh, were born to our moms. Um, and I think wow. about that, definitely babies that celebrated their first Christmas. And then I think about probably a lot of babies who also just celebrated their first Easter. Yeah, that is amazing. 2,800? Yeah, 2,082. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, sorry, 2,082. That's still, that's so incredible to me. That's wonderful. Yeah. So um back to kind of the, the pandemic issues. So it seems like the news is changing every day. Um, obviously, you know, updated statistics on infection rates and things like that. But I know you heard what Dr. Sanderley had to say about the ways that this is impacting maternity care, although it's certainly reassuring it isn't necessarily impacting maternal health. 
So the ways it's impacting care is that, you know, obviously um, OBGYN offices and other doctor's offices are finding ways to uh, redirect patients who don't need to come into the office, um, but they're still there to provide routine prenatal care to their patients as it's needed. And they're just taking additional steps to do that. So can you kind of take us through how you are dealing with this situation and responding to the client concerns you are hearing at Women's Care Center? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm happy to talk a little bit about uh, what Women's Care Center is doing in response to this, um, you know, and how we're continuing to work uh, really at all of our centers across the country. Um, I think our response is, is born of a couple of things. Uh, the first is the commitment that we've made to clients, uh, to young women and to families who have come to us before, uh, we really promise that, that we'll be here for you every step of the way. Um, from the moment that a woman finds out or suspects she's pregnant all the way until she sends her little one off to kindergarten. Uh, and so we feel like now more than ever, uh, it's critically important that we keep that promise. Uh, so, you know, I think about it, it, it's not okay for all of those families, uh, for all those moms and babies. Um, it's not okay for us to shut our doors and to not be available, uh, particularly mm -hmm. when the stress is so great. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the first piece. The second is we know that, you know, today, tomorrow, um, many women, young women are still facing unplanned pregnancies. And, you know, what is an unplanned pregnancy, especially right now, can quickly feel like a, a crisis. Um, and so the need to have someone there, you know, skilled staff that often uh, become mentors and support systems um, is maybe more critical now uh, for some women than it was even two months ago, one month ago. Mm. Um, at the same time, you know, we, we have to make sure that we're taking care of our clients and their health, um, that we're careful about the health of our staff, uh, and that we're, you know, we're part of the, the broader solution for the community. Um, so we've, we've found some real strategies to do as much of our work as possible as we can, um, but adjusting uh, where we need to. So you know, maybe that's some counseling that has shifted to, to phone counseling. Um, maybe some, uh, instead of having someone come in for parenting classes, we have moved our parenting classes virtually. Um, so we have a whole session of links that can be accessed at convenient times, um, you know, especially for those first time moms uh, that, that are still becoming prepared for that, for that child. Um, we're spacing clients that we have less volume in the center, um, but of course still having the same readiness to serve those who, the, who are the most vulnerable. Um, and in fact, really incredible, our volunteer president, Ann Mannion, made the decision uh, right at the beginning of this crisis, and that was to double um, all of our material assistance for our for our clients. So, wow. I feel like our <laughs> I feel like our staff uh, looks like Santa's elves or something, bringing out <laughs> loads of presents uh, to the parking lot. But um, we have doubled um, our formula and diapers uh, assistance, and then particularly during this time, you know, we're just trying to find little beacons of hope. So we've we've added a brand new children's book um, to each. Uh, little emergency assistance delivery, um, just to en to encourage reading. So that's great. We're, we're trying to do a myriad myriad of things, really, just to stay available and and serve our clients. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that you not only are you still there for your clients, but you are really like doubling down on the ways that you guys can serve as resources to them. I mean, it's so I mean, it's amazing that you're doubling literally yeah. the amount of material assistance that you're providing, but then even just like the thoughtfulness of including a book so that they have something to do at home with their kids is, I love that. That's just yeah. so thoughtful and great. Yeah. And I mean, things, things are changing daily, but we um, we're just having to be inventive like everyone is. Yeah. Yep. It's really great to hear that you guys are doing all of that. Yeah. So with regard, of course, to the current um, crisis and, of course, the economic impact that the pandemic has, as well as the health impact, I'm sure your clients have serious concerns of all types when they come in to see you. So what are you all hearing as the top of mind concerns from your clients and how have those conversations maybe changed or become different in the last three weeks or month or so? Yes. Um, you know, we, we know that, that during an unplanned pregnancy or really a pregnancy in general for that matter, um, there are just, there are lots of emotions. And so we're used to, our staff, our nurses, our counselors, you know, we're used to seeing concern about finances or uncertainty about the future um, and it just increased stress in general. But I think what we've all realized is that these obstacles that are have already existed are only heightened right now. Um, the stress yeah. feels heavier, uh, particularly when dealing with job loss and uncertainty about the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, concerns about, about finances are, are, are prevalent. So, um, you know, our staff has kind of taken an approach. This is a, a time for increased encouragement, um, increased compassion. Um, truly our staff already responds beautifully to concerns in normal times, but like you said, double down, um, it's, it's just a time to offer additional encouragement uh, to remind her that, that this is not forever um, and to be ready to meet her, her tangible needs. So our model of Benedict's radical hospitality um, that, our, that all of our counselors are trained in is really needed now more than ever um, and truly reflecting her strengths and her abilities to parent. Um, and I just wanted to say, you know, miracles are still happening. Uh, women who, who were seeking uh, an alternative decision or seeking founders um, are still finding Women's Care Center and they're met with compassion and understanding and, and they're choosing life. So um, we're just grateful, you know, we're grateful to be open and to be serving so many um, who depend on us and who are really feeling anxiety right now. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Uh, the concept, I guess, of radical hospitality feels so, um, I don't know, so incongruent with, I feel like what we're experiencing everywhere else, you know, like we Absolutely. kind of forget what hospitality is like when we're not even connecting with people one-on-one -on -one currently. So that's really yeah. wonderful that you guys can do that. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen our whole staff step up and, uh, you know, I know the families are, are very appreciative. Um, you know, it's not easy and the concerns sure. are still there, but, um, you know, it's just a time for that increased encouragement. Yeah. So speaking of encouragement, um, you know, if there 
is anyone listening who, you know, might be a pregnant mom who had some concerns and coming into listening to this podcast, um, if there were just one message that you would want her to hear and take away from this interview, what would that be? Goodness. Um, yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, if, if you're facing a difficult pregnancy, um, we're here, we are open um, to meet you with, with eyes and, and ears of compassion without judgment. Um, and I would, I would remind her, you know, just to slow down and to remember her own strength, her own goodness, um, and her own values, and that she has the time uh, to make this decision. Uh, you know, the, the, the time to make it rooted in that deep goodness. Um, yes. So particularly, you know, in moments of fear or concern or uncertainty, um, you know, we, we, just, we, we keep that promise that we'll be with her um, every step of the way. That's great. So if women are in need of assistance, whether that is just for, you know, relational or emotional support or material assistance too in pregnancy, yes. how can they reach you at Women's Care Center after listening to this? Yeah, um, it's pretty easy. Uh, truly, actually, here in Columbus, um, a woman can search many pregnancy-related support terms online, and Women's Care Center will pop up. Uh, but the, the most easy way is to Google womenscarecenter.org. And once you're on our page, there's a you know, big button that says email a counselor or another big button that says contact us. So um, that page will, will really connect someone directly to a counselor. Um, and then lastly, you know, I know that every person is in a diff different place financially right now, um, but if any of your listeners are interested in supporting our efforts in the great need, um, they can go to supportwomenscarecenter.org or even text uh, Columbus Babies, that's one word, to 4144 and uh, support the Women's Care Center and in, in this community. That's great. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, we want to remind people and that's something that Ohio Right to Life it has been trying to do in this time too, just to remind people the importance of the work that you are doing at yeah. Women's Care Center and at pregnancy centers across the state. Um, you know, as people are looking for ways to help, we can't all sew masks, but maybe yeah. we can all give a few dollars to a pregnancy center who is really meeting the needs of these women who are in some tough situations. So Absolutely. thanks for mentioning that. That's, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and especially for all the important work that you are doing, serving so many women and their families um, right here in Central Ohio. Again, that was Madeline Pesavento, Director of Women's Care Center here in Columbus, Ohio. We certainly will remember you all and your clients in our prayers, Madeline. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, and thanks, thanks so much to everyone who joined us for this episode. I hope you take a moment to share it with a friend, particularly if you know someone who is expecting and could use some reassurance. Uh, Dr. Sandra Lee's article that we discussed at the beginning on the eight things to know about pregnancy and COVID will be posted up on our social media, and you can check out the Charlotte Lozier Institute for updates as well. They'll continue to update that as more research becomes available on pregnancy and COVID. If you know anyone who's pregnant, experiencing a crisis in their lives, and could use some assistance, remember that Option Line is there to help. You can reach them by texting HELPLINE to 31. 31 31 
or calling Option Line at 1-800-712-4357. They're staffed 24-7 and they're ready to help even in the midst of a pandemic. There is help there for anyone who needs it. And as always, thank you again for listening to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast. Don't forget to find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Ohio Life and we will pop up on one of those. And of course, visit ohiolife.org to sign up for all the latest updates via email right to your inbox. We will see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. You're listening to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast presented by Ohio Right to Life. Founded in 1967, Ohio Right to Life, with more than 45 chapters and local affiliates, is Ohio's oldest and largest grassroots pro-life organization. Recognized as the flagship of the pro-life movement in Ohio, Ohio Right to Life works through legislation and education to promote and defend innocent human life from conception to natural death. We are Pro-Life Ohio, and we will end abortion.